and I'm going to start about verse 15. No, about verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Wow, that's quite a statement. But you know, you're considered dead to the world, whether you, uh, you're not that valuable to the world anymore. If you're valuable to God, the more valuable you are to God, the less valuable you are to the world. Any moment, one of you might explode and tell someone else about the Savior that died for you, and therefore the world is on guard against you. It really is, to a degree. And I never thought I'd be so emphatic about that kind of a statement, but as we travel through time, I've been around a little bit, and I remember my folks arguing about the interstate system coming in. Now we talk about the internet system coming in. And we've seen changes and changes, and I never thought they'd tear down a statue of Thomas Jefferson. I never thought they'd have problems with you saying a prayer in school. Boy, if I wasn't much of a witness in school, but if they would have they would have pulled that stuff. I got in trouble when Humphrey ran for office, if you want to know how far long that was. I had to give a report, and I flipped my page over, and it says, vote for Humphrey. That was, I was just doing what I was told then. But uh, now you, now uh, they're going to the churches and the government's asking the churches to support them. And uh, if you uh, said in the church to support so-and-so in government, they'd arrest you. But this last week, the vice president of the United States gave a message that's presented in 35 or 36 different churches on the East Coast. And it's about running for election for a candidate. I have, that's of course it's a Democratic candidate. I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know much about it, but I know if she's asking people to vote for this other lady, it's not someone I would want to vote for, and I wouldn't want to find out about it in church to begin with. But separation of church and state is something that's not in our Constitution, by the way. It's not. You can read it. Thomas Jefferson talked about it, and it's a principle we lay out. I have troubles. I'm already rambling. I have troubles in the little town of Nocatee because I'm on the board in the township, and I told them, if you want me to be there, take it off Wednesday night. I looked at the Craig wrestling or the Craig schedule now for basketball, Nocatee and Craig's. Wednesday nights don't mean anything to them anymore. They got, they got your kid five days out of the week, five nights they could plant, they could plant it on a Saturday. They got almost, you know, six, five days a week and they still want Wednesday night. There's a subtle battle going on in this world. And if you want victory in it, you're going to have to spend a little more time sharpening your sword. What's your sword? Right here. And I want you to be successful. We have a very successful group of people in this church. You have to be successful just, you have to be determined and successful and walking with God to a degree to be successful in this land on the great frontier. We talk about, oh, this is the last of the frontier and we got some amenities and stuff. This is still the frontier. It, in, when I go back to the States and we just bought a, bought a place, it's got hot water. But we spent most of this year without hot water. 
And you tell the people that back home, and they go, oh, you guys are living out on the edge of the world. But those little things pile up. And uh, to be successful, you have to be an overcomer. And Christ said he was an overcomer, and we're to follow him. And so let's get back to the message, but in point, we need to pray for each other. We need to hold each other up in prayer. We need to uh, uh, be prepared for a battle. And whether the battle comes now or 100 years from now, it's coming. Uh, the rapture's coming. Save us for it, from some of it. But there's a battle coming, and they're not backing off. They're not. So we're going to have to be prepared, and the best way to be prepared is to know where you stand with God. And that's kind of what the message is about today. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to stand before these people in prayer and with a message from you. We'll learn today about salvation. We'll learn today about service, and we'll learn a little bit about sacrifice. But, Lord, I know these people, some cases, have gone through all that just to be here today. We ask that you... Uh, Bless them and to give us something from your word this morning that we can use through the rest of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're dead to the world and that he died for all, that he is Jesus Christ, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Living for Jesus is the message. Living for Jesus. Living for Christ. What, who are you living for? Uh, well, I got a wife and kids. That's a good place. That's something to live for. But are you truly living for Jesus, the one who died for you, that gave everything meaning and order in this world, that gave everything purpose and life in this world? Do you live for him at all? Do you think about him at all? Do you spend any time through the week with him at all? Do you even pray besides thanking him, hopefully to thank him for your meal at least three times a day? But do you ask him for anything or do you tell him and share anything with him besides that your needs? We need to spend some time with God as we come to this day. And we need to uh, spend some time with his people also. Wherefore, henceforth know ye no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we, know, we, henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, and he's talking about the apostles here, and he's talking about how they knew Christ. They were directly had a direct personal relationship with him in a physical realm, and he's trying to encourage these people to have a direct physical, a direct spiritual relationship with him now. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I can't tell you how many times I've had people stand in front of me and go, Preacher, I couldn't do that. I can't do that. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know how dirty my hands are. You don't know how bloody I, my hands are. I've been in prisons, jails, small peanuts. Prison, you start going in there, and those guys are playing with the big marbles. They hang from the top of their cells. I went into one three cells tall. And the one hangs from the top of the cage and hollers, you're coming into the zoo, you're coming into the zoo. You start talking to them guys about a new life in Christ, and if they take God serious, that's all you're trying to do. And that God has a purpose for each one of you. Oh, I've never been a convict. I've never done anything really bad in my life. God still has a purpose for you. 
you know, he's got, if one purpose is to have you come in and warm these pews. The other purpose is, and I'm going to throw this in the message, those John and Romans, if you can't witness to anybody, take these home. Take them home and give them away. I've had one place tell me they just didn't want them in their uh, bank. And I says, you know, we're a member of the Chamber of Commerce. We can distribute those wherever you accept material from the Chamber of Commerce. And they don't. So then I took it out. But God can use you to hand out a John and Romans this week. God can use you to be a testimony to him by coming to church again next week and warming one of these pews. You can be a testimony of God's working in your life. You might not be a pillar of success. You might not be all that you can be, but God can use anybody. God can use everybody if they yield to him. All you have to do is give yourself up to him. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. And I'm not worthy of it. This is called, this is, we'll see here in just a moment, he's trying to tell these people the same thing. He's talking here to people that uh, were all from all different walks of life. And all things are, uh, all things, verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's a big $2 word. We see it three times here. We're going to look at it. Point one is he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. If you are saved and have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you have a mission. You have been made right with God. Reconciled means to be made right. You're made right with God. What you do with that relationship after you're made right with him is entirely up to you and how much you want to yield to him. But when you receive the ministry of reconciliation... And I've seen, I had a lady once look to me. I'm in the prison today. I had a lady once look at me. She had killed her husband. She was just being sent to the county jail for sentencing till they could get the sentencing and tell, send her to the right prison. She was a lady, an elderly lady. She was in her, what, 70s probably? 60s. We were in our 40s, so she was ancient to us. She was ancient to us. And in her, not in her cell, in the ladies' group that I preached to, she said, set me aside, and a turnkey stood there and watched me tenderly lead her to the Lord, and she accepted Christ as her personal Savior on her own accord. She had her own choice. She said her prayer. She said she got her heart right with God. She was reconciled with her Maker. And, you know, she was pleading as a, as a defense. Her defense plea was in temporary insanity. She walked into the bedroom and shot her husband. All right, temporary insanity. Uh, she got up from that prayer with tears running down her face she, after she accepted Christ. She says, I want to talk to my attorney. And I go, oh, what did I do wrong now? What did I do? You know, she's going to get the attorney after me. You know, she says, I want to talk to my attorney. And uh, I want, I staggered like that, so that's how I felt. <laughs> I didn't want you to think I was falling. Uh, she, she said, she says, I need to talk to my attorney. And turnkey says, well, we'll give you the call tomorrow. We'll set up an appointment, and you can see your, your attorney. And what she did the next day was changed her plea. She says to me before she left, I said, what are you going to do with your attorney? She says, I'm sane. I have a sound mind. God's given me a new mind, a new body. He's given me a vision. He's cleared my thoughts. I have accepted. I've been reconciled with my maker, and I'm going to reconcile myself with mankind. I'm pleading 
guilty. You see that kind of stuff happen? It sobers you up. You've been reconciled with God. Maybe not as dramatic as she has. She, she, last time I checked on her, she was running a ministry at the Chiquita Prison for Ladies. She was the only one in the prison that was hosting a Bible study for the entire prison. Example inmate, she was looking at seven years. She last, well, she's out by now. She's alive. And she's probably, she was looking at already her sentence being reduced to three and a half just because it was so apparent what she had done with her life and how she was reconciled with her maker and she was trying to reconcile others. That's number one point. When you get saved, you are given that opportunity, you are given that choice, you are given that charge that you're supposed to enter us the ministry of reconciliation. Have you ever entered into the ministry of reconciliation? Have you ever seen someone accept Christ as their personal Savior? Have you ever been remotely responsible for someone knowing Christ as their personal Savior? Have you given a dime to missions? Have you helped the Selic bunch? Have you helped them go off to uh, Africa? Have you, have you prayed for anybody? That's the ministry of reconciliation. Some of us can go. Some of us can't. Just like church today, some of us can be here, some of us can't. But God knows your heart, and God knows your limitations, and he is grateful to work with anybody who's reconciled to him. And your first obligation in your relationship to Jesus Christ is to help reconcile someone else. It's contagious, and that's why you're dead to the world. Because at any moment, you could put these two hands together, you could put your fingers together, and change the world. You could change a whole bunch of things with just putting your fingers together and saying, Lord, can you help? Can you use me? Can we do? Can I accomplish? Will you do it? I can't. You're dangerous. You're dangerous to Satan. And that's why he's trying to use your... That's why he's continually trying to destroy your testimony. I'm surprised. I look at somebody, and I'm going to paint a picture, but it doesn't mean that everybody I see like that is, is wicked. But I see somebody with uh, a lady with too much eye makeup on or a guy with cobweb tattoos on his elbow saying he's done time or teardrops tattooed on his face, meaning he spent, you could usually count them and tell how many years they've been in prison by how many teardrops they got running down their face. You see somebody like that, and you automatically assume, oh, better watch my wallet, better keep the keys in my pocket. You don't know if they've been reconciled or not. You don't know that. So be careful with what you do with your body. Be careful with your testimony and your appearance. Oh, God doesn't care how I look. Yeah, he does. The devil's the one that doesn't care how you look. The devil's the one that wants you to look attractive to the world, but you're supposed to be dead to the world. And that's what God can use you. Just, just by a blondie there, I don't think he gets proposition too often. He looks too clean-cut and American. You know, I don't know. But that has a lot to do with how your parents... God is concerned with how you look, and that is the smallest thing you can do in helping others to be reconciled to Christ. 
God will take you to heaven whether you're baptized or not. That's a shock. And God will take you to heaven whether you've been baptized in a Baptist church or a Lutheran church or a Methodist church, if you're submerged properly by a spiritual leader of that church and dunked under the water. That We'll hold to that. But he could use you even if you haven't because he's, you're in the business of reconciliation. And you don't know how many others you're going to help lead to the Lord by being that far obedient to Christ. Okay, so I'm obedient to Christ. I've, I've been reconciled by him, and I'm going to help others to be reconciled. Okay, have you been baptized? Have you joined a church? Oh, I'm going to do it solo. Well, good luck. Good luck. You know, the devil couldn't take Adam and Eve out together. He came to one and then the other. His job is to divide and conquer. Oh, I don't need to be a member. I'm a member of the universal body of Christ. Fine. Great. Why don't you show your neighbor that? Oh, he knows you go and pray in the backyard? Oh, great. He'll know more about you and know that you're probably more of a witness to Christ and you're not afraid to be a Christian by walking down the road and seeing you turn in or seeing you drive into the church parking lot. I'm not trying to get you to join this church. I'm trying to get you to get reconciled with God and keep that relationship on a reconcilable level. You don't hear a message like this once in a while. Who's going to make you? Who's going to warn you? I see before me a lot of successful people. I see before me people that have fought the good fight so far. I want you to continue to fight. I want to let you know it's, it's still, we're still in a battle. You might be prosperous. You might be able to move. You might be able to buy all the things you want to buy. But when it's all done, you're still in a battle. That's another thing the devil likes to do is just kind of smooth it over. And, oh, you've done your part. Oh, you know, you're falling back in the ranks is what you're doing. He can take out. He can take out the young and inexperienced. Okay, verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Why did he come down? That word reconcile, to make right, to bring back into to a relationship. He came here to bring us all back into a relationship, not imputing their transgressions unto them, not making you pay for your sins. He paid for your sins. That's what they're saying right there that hath committed unto us the word word of reconciliation. What has he committed unto us? First, we looked at the ministry of reconciliation. I kind of walked you through that. Now he's given you the word of reconciliation. You pick up that John and Romans, that's the word of reconciliation. You pick up your Bible, that's the word of reconciliation. Have you distributed anything of God's word in the last two years? Have you bought a Bible for somebody? Have you given a Bible to somebody? Have you given God's word to somebody? Have you even quoted scripture to anybody? You wouldn't be here today if somebody didn't to you. Because my Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you didn't get saved until somebody got right with God and worked on that relationship and turned around and practiced to the best of their ability the ministry of reconciliation. Then you might have got saved by a track you found somewhere in a doorstop or something, or you heard something on a radio. The word of reconciliation came to you. The word of reconciliation, the gospel of Christ. 
That's the word of reconciliation. You've been given that. Everybody in this room has one and probably more than they want. There's some John and Romans laying in between the pews. Take them home. Leave it somewhere. Some little guy in the church here tried to take them to school and they didn't want them. He still got blessed. God says, that boy, that young lady, that young man, that individual tried on my behalf. This isn't a motivation to try to get you to hand out John and Romans. I'll hand them out, and I'll get the blessings. It isn't a motivation to try to get you to give, because I'm giving to the church, and I'll get the blessings. It's trying to get you to get the blessings of being reconciled with God. You want to walk with God, and you want to face the devil. You want to see God work in your life. You better stay reconciled to him. Oh, he'll take you any time, and he loves you, and he'll, you'll stand before his throne, and he'll say, well, he won't, might not say, well done, but he'll say, you're sure welcome, because his son died for you. Is he going to have to have his son plead for you to get through heaven, or are you going to be able to come up and say, I'm ready? And he'll say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We'll give you a couple crowns of gold. They're teaching in Revelations, they're teaching about the crowns of of glory. And what does, what does gold mean to God? You hear the one about the guy who uh, he uh, died and had all of his assets before he died. He had all of his assets uh, turned into gold. And he told his, uh, the undertaker, he says, when I die now and you seal that coffin, he says, I want you to put that, all that gold in a big chunk. He says, I want you to put it in my hands so when I get up there, uh, I'll have my gold. And sure enough, he dies, and he gets up there to heaven, and he's standing in there, and the angels are there, and Peter's there. Peter doesn't stand at the pearly gates, but we'll use that as an illustration, and literally stand at the pearly gates. You know who I think stands at the pearly gates? Jesus. Like this. And so he gets up there to the pearly gates, and the guy says, well, you're, you're all right. You, you accepted Christ. And you did some good things. What are you worried about? What, what do you got that low-grade asphalt in your hand for? That's what God doesn't care about gold. He wants to bless you. Gold is a symbol of blessing in your scripture. God will reward you. He'll reward your giving. He'll reward your doing. He'll reward your efforts. Nothing you go, and I don't know the scripture off the top of my head, but there's scripture to support what I'm going to say. Everything you do, God sees, and everything you do, he puts to your account on the positive side, on the positive side. Your works will not go unrewarded, it says. Now then, verse 20, we looked at the ministry of reconciliation. We looked at the word of reconciliation. Now we're in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And through God, and though God did beseech you, by us, we pray, you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God the Father, God the Father, true righteousness. I can't speak for how you are, your relationship to God. Only you know if it's settled between you and God. Only you know if you're doing what God wants you to do. Only you know how much God wants of you. 
There's a little verse we're going to look at tonight. It's called, too much is given, much is required. And we sure in America sit back here and go, oh, blessings, blessings, blessings. We got hot water. We got all the things we need. We can go buy a Bible tomorrow and order it in and have the wicked world send it to us, free shipping. We can get anything we want. Is that, have you ever thanked God for it? Much is given, much is required. I'm in America. I can go anywhere I want on Sunday morning. And some of us abuse that. There's people that have walked through that door that aren't here this morning because they've abused it. I don't have anybody specifically in mind, but the church isn't full, is it? And I bet you, you go to any other church in this town, it's not full. I don't hear preachers complaining to me, oh, we got to get more parking space. And that's another thing. You, you, you drove here, didn't you? Or you rode here. We have more liberty in Christ in America than most people ever dream about. And, and you don't believe me, just go down to the border of what, 200,000 this, this so far this year have come across? Or a million, something like It's just unbelievable. What are you doing with that liberty? What are you doing with it? You might be reconciled unto God, but you're not necessarily reconciled unto what he wants you to do, unto life. What's that verse or that quote from Sunday school class? Brother? All last week, thank you, brother. All last week, last month, we kind of emphasized grace. You're, we're living in a day of grace. But if you're not using it to God's glory, he knows. You know, I'm, I'm an old man. I had a lot of better things to do than get up on Sunday morning and go pick garbage and straighten out pews. I had a lot better things I could have done. I got a lot of fishing trips I should have took on. And my wife's going, don't go there, don't go there. She, she knows I'm upset. But I'll, I'll let you know this evening what the Lord lets me get away with. But uh, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with the abilities? What are you doing with the virtue? What are you doing with the grace God's put upon you and your family? Propagate the grace. Propagate the faith. Propagate the reconciliation you experience. That's what God wants from you. Let's all stand. Three things. The ministry of reconciliation. That's a, something we work at, a ministry. The word of reconciliation. And the reconciliation to God. I don't know what God wants from you. You might be maxed out. I'm sure some of us are. I'm sure some of us are. You sacrifice and you sacrifice. This is the message to tell you to keep sacrificing. Whenever God called you into salvation, he called you to three things, salvation, service, and sacrifice. I don't know in what realm. I don't know in what area. I don't know to what ability. Might be very humble. I have a mother-in-law. She raised 12 children. That was her ministry. Every one of them been to church. 
every one of them heard and had an opportunity to accept Christ, and most of them responded positively. In fact, to my knowledge, all of them are God-fearing. I can't tell you if they're all saved, but most of them are good, decent people. She never did much more than that. She never, it was all she could do. Her husband left her, deserted her. She had 12 children. So I don't know how the world strapped you and what the devil obstacles the devil's put in front of you, what poor examples the devil's made you go through, what poor experiences he's befold you. I don't know what the devil's limited you with. I don't know how you've limited yourself. Only God knows. And he wants you to continue on. He's reconciled you, and he's willing to work with you. And he'll take you to wherever you want to go. He really will. As you get reconciled to him. Now, I laid out some simple steps of reconciliation. I've laid out some simple steps, and you have truly been reconciled to get to heaven. And you have truly been given the opportunity, but you're standing there at the, you got the ticket in your hand. Oh, I can't wait till I die to get there. You know that's not most of our attitudes. <laughs> I want to live as much as I can to get there. Amen. Yeah, amen. And he's willing to help you. He's willing to help you all along that way if you stay reconciled to him. A lot of us, I had a time in my life, I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, had the world by the tail, and I did not use it. I'm suffering today from some of those things, some of those limitations, because I didn't use the grace and opportunity God gave me to his glory. And he showed me, as you get older, it plays out. You can only live on your strength so long. You can only fight the battle so long on your, on your own flesh. You have to give yourself over to the Lord and let him work within you. And he'll bless you. And that's all I'm pleading for is you to let the Lord bless you.